to Lawler Out Loud, and thank you for listening. I'm your host, Christy Lawler, and this podcast focuses on highlighting the amazing men and women that make a difference in the world. And we hope to prove that every single person has the power to make a difference and make an impact. Today's guest is Allison Park, founder and president of Bren Whiskey. First, let me thank you, Allison, for joining us and sharing your story and your experiences. I'm so excited to hear from you today. Thanks. I'm really excited to be on. Thank you so much. Our pleasure is all mine. I'm honored with your presence as my guest. <laughs> <laughs> so let's dive right in. I I love your story and I, I wish, I think the whole world needs to hear your story, especially every woman in our business. Um, because what you've done is so not only impressive and inspirational, but personal and just astounding. So dive right in. Tell us about you. <laughs> Thanks. Um, thank you. Uh, I, you know, I, as, as you said, I'm, I'm a founder of Bren French Whiskey and it's very perhaps clear at this moment that I don't have a French accent. Um, definitely an American. <laughs> why, why did I found and start a French whiskey? And um, yeah, I'm only, I'm only a quarter French by blood. So this is not like it was my parents' company and I got to go to boarding school in the US. I, have, I was not born with a silver spoon. Um, but you know, as, as you know, I was a professional ballerina in and and I just got to be that like super nerdy kid who had the perfect posture because she was a ballerina and always had her hair up in a bun and was like, just a type A perfectionist. I know my goals and nothing's going to stop me at getting them kind of kid. Um, That's awesome. The, yeah, it's it's a different way to be a kid. You know, you don't, I, I never felt one with my peers. I definitely got my share of getting made fun of and you know, and you're, you're definitely like a bit of a loner in some circles, in many circles, but, yeah. um, yeah. but I did learn, I, I, I was, I just, I think I was just naturally a very driven and focused kid. And I learned to have a thick skin pretty quickly. And I just also realized the value of other people's opinions of me is not significant or worthy of my attention. <laughs> and so I just didn't care what people thought. I was like, okay, you can have your opinion, but I'm going to go over here and do this thing. And, you know, at nine, I was like telling wow. my parents, uh, yeah, but I, I don't, I don't know where that came from, by the way, but it was just kind of innate, I guess, in my, in my, my being. But at nine, I was like, mom, dad, you have to take me to, to Washington, DC. I'm auditioning for the Joffrey ballet. And they were like, what? <laughs> and by the way, I was the third kid to come along in our family so by this point you know I think it might I might have had a very different experience had I been the first or something like that but like by the third they're like okay whatever you know whatever you want to do um so I I got I, I made it and then I was a professional ballerina on and off but mostly on from nine years old to 23 and always training and going to an academy of, of ballet you know and I was public school but doing all the things and then when I was in New York as a young adult, I'd gotten my college degree in jazz hands, as I like to joke, um, but really, <laughs> jazz, really jazz dance. Um, you know, here I was, and I was, I was like, okay, I see the runway for this career. And I was not, I, I, I understood my peers at that point were starting to go, if I have another 10 years as a professional ballerina, what do I want to do next? And many of them wanted to teach or open up a studio or go back to where they grew up and run the studio that they had trained in or like all these things or be a choreographer or, you know, try and be an artistic director of a big theater. And I was just like, mm -hmm. not that administrative world of the of ballet was not interesting to me or choreography. So I was like, shit, <laughs> what's my second act? <laughs> Which is a hard question to ask yourself when you're so young. Oh, it's terrifying. Yeah. It's, and it was like, I just, I remember, uh, you know, the other part of my childhood, I was, I was um, no surprise being a perfectionist, but I had like perfect attendance at Sunday school and, and I was really involved in the church choir. And so some of those friends, one in particular had, was moving to New York and she was introducing me to her social circle here. And I remember being very grateful for that because all my friends at that point were all theater people. Um, and they're just like, 
you know, in, in Harry Potter terms, it's like muggles versus you know, the, the non-muggles. Um, and, and so I was starting to get integrated into a social circle that was non-theatrical, you know, non-theatrical people. And I remember thinking like, shit, I don't, I don't know how to date. I don't know how to be a non ballerina. Like, I don't know how to be in the normal quote unquote world. And yeah, it seemed like everyone always wanted to go out drinking. <laughs> I lived this very starved life, you know, like just tuna yeah. salad with no mayo and, you know, non-buttered popcorn, like, like limited calories and no drinking. And so I was like, oh, and I would ask my friends like intimately, how do you drink? And they were like, oh, you just, just know your limits. And so I had to, I had, <sighs> I was very late bloomer to alcohol and I, I would just go to liquor stores because on Friday and I had no money, you know, on Fridays and, and Saturdays, they would have a lot of wine tastings in the liquor stores and they're free. So you could just stand there and they still do this today, but you know, you just, now <laughs> the irony is I stand there and do them with my whiskey, but I would stand there <laughs> and like talk to these people and they would talk about this concept of terroir. And it's why when a sommelier in New York or in Texas or in Japan opens up a bottle of wine, terroir is this French word that has a sense of place and the taste. And it's okay. why, you know, a, a sommelier can, can open up this wine and tell you what mountain region in France it's from, for example. I just thought that was like super cool. And then I felt- I think it's an amazing skill. I think it's really cool when I, too. Yeah, when I don't possess. <laughs> no, like, like, could you imagine but... putting on a pair of socks and being like, ah, this wool is from this region in South America. like. How cool. Right. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> but I just, I just liked this kind of sense of place, and um, and it felt very grounding and and like you know connected to the earth, and um, and 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 then and then I was introduced to whiskey, and I really loved whiskey. I loved the taste of it. I loved the, I loved the stories around these distilleries. I loved the flavors. I loved that you could order one glass and I could nurse it through the whole night. So it was like economically mm -hmm. a good choice for me, all the things. And so then I just started asking people like bartenders and I got a Twitter account and started a blog and just started connecting with people. And I was just writing about my whiskey journey. And this is the early 2000s. So very few people in the US were talking about whiskey then, right? It was the Sex yeah. in the City, Cosmopolitan, vodka, wine era. Mm-hmm. As you know very well, <laughs> apple teenies were everything. Apple teenies, <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh my god! So they're like nerdy, you know. Post ballerina Allison was running around New York City and on Twitter, going, "Is anyone making this single malt whiskey outside of Scotland focusing on terroir?" And people were like, "What are you talking about?" <laughs> <laughs> and I just realized, I was like, oh, this doesn't exist in the U.S. You know what? I'll start an import company. I need a second act anyhow. I need to get out of ballet. I'll start an import company. I will import single malt whiskeys from non-traditional countries focused on terroir, blah, blah, blah. It's going to be great. And then when I realized no one in the, in the space of world whiskey at the time whiskey that way, I realized I got to go do this. And so without yeah. speaking French, I connected with a guy in France and crazy long, another long, crazy story later, um, it turned out that he was willing to grow the barley and be the distiller and wanted nothing to do with branding or anything like that. So I literally wired this guy my entire life savings. And we got started. And finally, in 2012, I had a whiskey that I could launch to the world and say, this is what terroir and whiskey looks like. It's called Bren. It's from France. And I know I'm an American and I'm in my 20s, but this is going to be great. <laughs> Well, and, and it is great. <laughs> that's just incredible, though. Really, just I, I just—that's such a leap of faith in yourself, too. I, I, th I think you and I share this, and I've I've met a handful of people out there in the world too, and I bet your listeners have some of this too. I, I just, you, you know, if you if you look at anything you got to choose where you put your money do you buy things right do you buy a house mm -hmm. do you put it in the stock market it's like where like if you have even you know five thousand dollars like what do you do with that um and and i just thought i'm the safest investment right we yeah. can't take our money to the grave so 
if this little sum that I've been able to save up over the course of my tiny little young professional life, it's not enough that it like even makes sense to go to like a personal banker and be like, hello, can you start a trust with like, there's just like so little, <laughs> but if I'm on this planet and I'm able to do something, why am I not the best investment? That's a great perspective. I love that. Because of course you are the best investment. Yeah. You know yeah. how hard you're going to work. You know yeah. what it really means to you. If I, I put it in this, another I company. I got to the same point. Yeah. Yes. I, yeah. I was just like, God, if someone's going to ride my name for profit, it should be me. It should be me. <laughs> you. Right? Yeah. Yeah. You, it's like when I looked at how hard I was working to make other people's companies be successful. Yes. And then I was like, well, I could do that for myself and work on something that I, not just that I believe in, but go about it in a way that I think is respectful and kind and just. Why am I not going to do that? Exactly. You're preaching to the choir here. I know I I am. I know you do this. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like this is why we connected instantly when we first spoke, because it's just, it's one of those things. It's just inside you, Mm -hmm. that fire that, Mm -hmm. no, I'm just going to do me. And it's (laughs) inside everyone. It'll work. I'm just going to put everything I have into it. Yeah. And, and I'm creative enough, right? Yeah. It's like, I I just, people would look at me and they'd be like, well, how do you know French whiskey is going to sell in America. And I said, I don't know if it's going to sell in America, but I'm going to try it in the States because mm-hmm. this is my backyard. And if not, I'm going to try it in another country and then another country. And then another, we have over a hundred countries on this planet. So yeah. I've got a lot of options. And then if that doesn't work, then I'm going to deconstruct the bottle and the packaging and I will sell this whiskey wholesale to pastry chefs. Like there's just going to be an endless opportunity of possibilities. But as long as I'm running the show, I know that I can continuously think creatively and act upon mm-hmm. that. If I'm working for someone else, as you know, and I know, some people don't always believe in your visions, which is fine. Mm-hmm. It's their company, you know, yeah. and, but I've, you know, you keep hitting that roadblock and then I just, I like see, I see, I see gold at the end of the tunnel. I'm like, why aren't you letting me go get the gold for you? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. I think it's, it's a creative problem. And if someone doesn't understand your vision the way that you do, you mm-hmm. hit that no. And that's where the road ends. But if you're doing it for yourself and you recognize that every time you hit a, a roadblock or a hurdle, or you stumble a bit, you just go back to the drawing board, get creative and figure out a solution. Totally. No, it's not a definitive answer when you're doing it for yourself. And question for you in that. And as you, you know, you work with clients and people and you, you know, you hire people. How have you, have you been challenged with, or has it been, you know, cleaner or simpler for you to be able to communicate those new creative directions to the people that you need to speak to, whether they're doing the work with you, for you, or you're doing it for them. Mm-hmm. Have you had been able to be successful in that communication or have you been like blocked there if you also see a vision that you wanna do something? You know, I'm lucky because the people that I work with are also very creative types. And mm-hmm. I feel like the creative people tend to glue themselves to each other. <laughs> um, so it's a matter of if I can get out of my own way with my descriptions and my explanations of my end state, I'm okay with whatever their process is to help me get there because I feel like taking someone who's a creative and then demanding they do it your way is the most dumb thing you can do, right? Agreed. It just, yes. yes. It takes all it's- common sense out of it. Yes. Like the, <laughs> the reason you're working with these people is because you admire their creative spirit. Yes. <laughs> you totally. tell them to hamper it, totally. you stopped yourself. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. I know I've worked with people that are like, that is way too far out of the box for me. And I'm like, all right, cool. I'm going to go over here and stand outside of my box. And when you're ready to look at my box that I'm outside of, then we yeah. can talk again. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah. Yeah. I think that's been my, my greatest joy as we've expanded in Bren, just like internally with humans. Right. Mm -hmm. And Clint, my boyfriend said something really, it's very succinct and I agree with it. And it's A's higher A's, B's higher C's. Right. So, all right. So think about that in terms of like the hiring process and people and in other companies or other lives, you know, we've seen like if, if someone has an ego or they're like, they're almost a fear that they're not going to be seen as being the best at their job, you know, then they'll hire people below them who aren't, who are, who are C's, right. Who are, aren't, aren't mm, that great, but yeah. good. Right. But it keeps them looking wonderful. Whereas people who are like really confident and, and calm and open and, and comfortable in their own skin, right? Like I've, I always want to hire people who are better than me at the thing I'm hiring them for. Yeah. And, and absolutely. That, yeah. And it's like, again, that seems like common sense, but it's amazing to me when I'm out there in the world and I see, oh, that's not how a lot of people are, right? So it, it, it's almost like sometimes people get bit by that sense of power and they're like, I can't lose the power, but that's okay. That's, that's, <laughs> that can flow. Um, but it's been my greatest joy as, as I've watched Bren and, and, you know, for your listeners, when I started this company, I started it with just my own little tiny savings. I had no partners. I had no employees. And when it even came to not just developing the product or making the whiskey or importing it into this country, but actually distributing it, distributing it to bars and restaurants, I had no distributor. So I had to literally bike it around New York City by myself for the entire first year that we were available for sales. Yeah. And, you know, now we're in over 10 countries and we're sold nationwide in the U.S. And we have over 100 people that are affecting our brand every day and part of our story and part of our, our community, our, our, you know, our workforce. And it is my greatest joy when I get to sit, and I just did this last week, I get to sit with all these brilliant people, not all of them, but a handful of them at a time. And I go, hey, here's what I'm thinking. I don't know how to get there. Mm-hmm what do you all, how do you all see this going? And it's like, my heart is open and my, I'm just in awe of the people that get to sit around the table. And I love when you get to build something that is greater than your one self. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And, I feel and like you, you get do to that. see, yeah, you get to see how, how you're valuing others yes. and how that promotes them. And then they're able to really spread their wings. And you've done this with the witty conference because you're like, here's the structure, you know, and then you get everyone else enrolled to make it something that is group built and community built and bigger than even you can imagine, even though you were the genius and the genesis of both, you know, of of this. I I just, I love, I love meeting people like that because I think that's what the world needs more of. Yeah. Well, honestly, I could never do witty by myself. You know that there's just one, (laughs) there's too much that goes into it. But two, I'm, I'm only as good as the people around me. I'm only as good as the, 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 the circle that I revolve in. Yes. So I need the genius that surrounds my life, my whole tribe and all of our unique experiences and ideas and all of our, our unique trajectories of getting from point A to point B, everything that someone brings to the table, I definitely want to pursue. Yeah. Because if it's a value to them, it's a value to me and it's a value to everyone else. Yes. Yeah. And I don't believe that anything is possible without some kind of collaboration, no matter how big or small the task is. So by creating something that's truly collaborative, that has everybody that's part of it also involved in it, it's, it's better for the group. It's better for the whole. This to me is like at the core of what you said in your intro about highlighting, you know, people that make a difference in the world and proving that every single person has the power to make that difference. This is, I think, what's at the heart of that, you know, having an idea yeah. that is for good and enrolling others and using, you know, bu- building upon with, with like mind and, and different points of view, you know, and really building something yeah. that is, for good. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. Cause all of us are so different. We may have similar traits, but we're all very different. Yes. And I think that's the beauty of it is that we come together in a common bond 
even though we're all just very individual people, <laughs> obviously. Yeah. Um, but that's the fun is getting to know a total stranger and turning them into a trusted friend. Yeah. And in so many ways, an advisor. Yeah. And, and this, that's like, what I, yeah. <laughs> this is what, when I, when I kind of did that for me, that personal shift, right. That like personal development shift from kind of the, the ballet world and theater people into traditional or normal society. <laughs> um, and they really are two different worlds. You know, theater people can be we're very, they, they have a different way of communicating with each other. Um, you know, it, to me, I found the most quality time in connecting with humans and just connecting with, with people occurs around a drink and a meal. You know, it's, it's really, it's what happens when we break bread together and that's in family dynamics and in communities and, um, and that's really all any of us want as a human being is to be seen and to connect. And I think that's what's so special about our industry in that we're making, you know, whether you're a restaurateur and you have the brick and mortar or you're a chef and you make the actual food or you're a supplier, you know, a booze maker <laughs> like I am and mm -hmm. you make the, the drink. To me, I look at Bren as if I can create something that gets to be a part of people's lives, something that they gather around and use as a vehicle to, you know, perhaps relax and open up and share more with their friends, loved ones, and, you know, and those around them, what an honor. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You, you're creating an experience yeah. for total strangers. I think it's really it's special. Just, yeah. You are a part of something in other people's lives. Yeah. which is just so incredible and humbling when you think about it. Crazy. <laughs> yes. It's just, it's really, really badass. So I want to hear, um, like, obviously going from ballet where you had such a restrictive uh, regimen and lifestyle because it, everything you did for yourself revolved around what you were doing for your career. How did you find this as inspiration? Like you talked about, like, I really want to do this and looking into it, but how did you just, how did you go from, I definitely don't want to do this to, I definitely do want to do this. Like, what was that yeah. like in between stage? I worked at, I mean, when you're a dancer in New York city, or a performer in New York City, you you have a lot of side jobs, um, which we always joke that that is actually your main job. <laughs> but um, but ideally, it's a side job. Um, but I, I was working at Exhale Spa, traveling the country in the U.S. Um, and and the CEO there gave me a, a once in a lifetime opportunity for me, and she said, you know, if you're if you're ever ready to leave the arts, the performing arts, I'd love to offer you a full time job here. I was like, mm, I'm not ready, thanks, but what is that job? <laughs> She's yeah. like, if you can figure out, I was, I was apparently, I am very effective at sales. And when I was on the floor, you know, like my, making my $8 an hour, checking people in and out <laughs> of the bar classes and their spa appointments, their yeah. sales in their little spa shop would not double, triple, they would quadruple every time I was there. And so she was like, if you can figure out how to train people, how to do what you do in sales, we'll create a national sales director position for you. And we're, you know, we're only two spas right now, but we're going to open up nationwide and you can travel the country and teach people how to sell. And I thought perfect of it for you. Oh my God. I was my, one of my, it was like, it was just, it was this life changing time because I got to say, oh, I do like business and I do like being a little business lady who travels <laughs> and I love to share my passion, you know, and connection. And, and I've created this program called selling with soul. And, and this CEO to me was just my ultimate icon. You know, she wore theory suits. She was pencil thin. She always, this was all before iPhones and everything. So she had like an arm full of file folders and everything. And I just knew, I was like, I want to be a badass female founder like this lady. And mm -hmm. she said to me, you know, you don't have the college degree or the training or anything that matches this title, but we will give you the title and we're going to, but your salary is not going to match what this title would earn in another company. And I loved her for mm -hmm. that transparency. Yeah. And I said, 
okay, I get that. In exchange then, since, since I am here to learn for two weeks, can I shadow you, um, you know, for two weeks before I start this position, can I shadow you and go into every single meeting that you go into where I'm allowed? I understand if I'm not allowed to go into like a shareholder meeting or something like that. Mm-hmm. And she goes, yes. And for the first time in my life, I got to sit in on a marketing meeting and a finance meeting and a planning meeting and a PR meeting and an HR meeting. And I was like, what is this world? (laughs) And I knew, I knew my life changed in the, in those two weeks because I just saw myself, I saw a new dream for myself. And that was to be a female founder and to run my own company. And then it just took me a minute to figure out what kind of company that would be. But at least I had that dream. Like I saw what I wanted for my life. And then it was kind of like a paint by number, right? Like I saw the framework of the painting and then I had to figure out what the colors were that went into this painting. And at one point, you know, I I kept narrowing it down. and, And I think this is an important exercise for people, especially if they're thinking of going out on their own. I said, I really sat down with a lot of blank pieces of papers and let's be real, they were bar napkins because I was sitting often at a bar <laughs> thinking about this stuff. Um, but, you know, do I want something that is like, what kind of scalability, right? And, and is it something that is only dependent on my physical hours, right? So anything from a massage therapist to a psychiatrist, right? A doctor, like those are, you can only quote unquote, earn money or make money um, when you are on the clock, a lawyer, for example, right? Mm -hmm. Or is it a, a product that can sell even when you're sleeping? (laughs) That was very compelling to me. I was like, wow. (laughs) So if I went on vacation, it's not like my income for that moment stops. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. Um, not that I was big, you know, it really had the means for vacations back then, but I liked the concept. Um, so that's, and I'm not, I wasn't a tech person and, and the, you know, tech world wasn't, it was at a very different stage. So it wasn't like I had an, an idea for an app or something, but I really yeah. kind of, for me, thought it was those two different choices, right? Do you want something that you're physically involved in and physically affecting and your hours are where you, where the money is coming in, or is it a product, um, that can be out in the world when you're not physically present. Um, And then from there, it was, it's, it's really important to me that my mantra has always been create, not copy, you know, don't go out there and just repeat something that someone else has done. A, you're a dick. You're just, you're just (laughs) like ripping on someone else's hard work. Um, B, (laughs) like B, just, you know, we have endless creativity. So maybe be inspired by someone and do it with, you know, your own twist, find a hole, find a niche, find something that the world can truly benefit from, not something that's junk that clogs up someone else's life or puts a roadblock in someone else's hard work. Yeah. Well, Um, and if it's not authentic to you, if it is a strict copy and not your own inspiration to to at least a major degree, then it's not really yours and you're not going to have the ability to make it what you would like it to become either. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And I I don't think it's as passionate. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. No, no, no. I was going to say I was I was speaking at the Women's Leadership Conference in Houston a few months Mm. ago. And I compared starting your business, and I'm speaking to a bunch of female founders in the room. Mm-hmm. And I said, starting your business is like having a baby. And they said, so mm-hmm. I'm going to lay this out for those of you that aren't parents in the room. But when you start, it requires your attention pretty much 24 hours a day just to sustain it, to mm-hmm. keep it alive, breathing. Mm-hmm. You have to feed it. You have to do everything for it. Then it becomes a toddler and you start to receive some of the joy back. You start to feel some of the love returning and you get a little bit more freedom and flexibility in your life. And then it becomes a kid and it starts to walk on its own, do everything for itself. And you still need to be there and protect it and nurture it and love it. But you don't have to be there 24 hours a day. Mm -hmm. I said, so the idea is to get your business from being a newborn into childhood Mm-hmm. successfully and if you mm-hmm. can make it to childhood you can probably make it all the way to adulthood <laughs> but you just got to get through those rough few years where it's completely you it's yeah. it's all you and you get knocked down 
and then you can build back up in like the next minute and you yeah. can suffer imposter syndrome. Like it's just never yes. going to go away. Yes. And then it goes away for an instant. And you're like, yes, I can do this. And then you can down again. <laughs> it's just, it's that constant. It's just like having kids. Oh my God. <laughs> it's so yeah. not for the faint of heart. <laughs> yes, totally. And it's but, a different yeah. language every day. You know, you're like, mm-hmm. I was, I didn't know. I don't know, but I'm going to figure yeah. it out. And I'm going to be present and be here and and hold yeah. my arms open and say, okay, I'm going to support this. <laughs> and you just have to go with it and learn as you go. And there's really no, there's no guidebook because at the end no. of the day, nobody wrote a guidebook for how to be you. So just follow your gut, be you, you'll get there. Amen. I I don't know. That's, that's what I think, but who knows? My business could completely fall apart and go under in the next year and I'd be like, well, what did I do wrong? I don't know. I thought I was following a good path. You that, never know what's going to happen. And that's the truth. Yeah. Right? There was like, there was a moment, um, January 2017, and I had to get really clear for myself and go, okay, I need to make sure that I have not defined myself for myself on the success or not of friends because- yeah this ship could sink, this shit could go under, you know? And, and I don't want to go under with it. Right. Like, how do you, how do you not have your ego so attached to this thing that had built, you know, I've like gotten a lot of notoriety. I've been in Forbes four times. I'd been a glamor woman of something. And like, you know, like I'd gotten awards. I was the first woman to win awards and all like, even all that public, what looked to the public as success, you know, there was still mm-hmm. that real moment of going, oh, do I have to fold this company? Do I, have, do I close yeah. up shop? And if I do, what does that mean for me as a person? Am I going to be okay yeah. with that? Yeah. How do I get past that? Yeah. And how, because yeah. it'll, it'll happen publicly. Right. And I think that's a real, that's yeah. a real part of being, of, of being an entrepreneur and having your own business is to go, Oh, if I fail, I'm, I'm going like, I will fail publicly. Am I okay with that? Yeah. And for me, absolutely. And I think if you can fail gracefully in public, there's no better (laughs) example in life of confidence and courage. And like, that's what we should aspire to be, right? Because you are taking such a big risk and, and there's a very good likelihood that it could fail. And that is okay. It doesn't mean you're yeah. a failure. Yeah, I you can. It's it's swinging without a net, right? <laughs> you're up there on the trapeze. There is no net below you, and yeah, totally. you don't plan on falling. But if you do, <laughs> oh my God, how do you get back from that? Yep. And that's yeah. And it's it's probably for people like us too, where we're not so much worried about the public reception of the situation we're more worried about how do I overcome disappointing myself mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. the question you have to answer ask for yourself and that's mm-hmm. a really scary question to ask mm-hmm. yourself um and it's probably even harder to answer than it is to ask mm-hmm. but yeah that's um I love and that it- you mentioned that well I think it's also like it's hard yeah with yourself and then like the next layer out is socially right like yeah. Right now, I know what it feels like to walk in the room as me, as the founder of Bren. Feels pretty great. <laughs> People mm-hmm. are like, yep. whoa, she did this awesome thing. You know, and what if Bren was a failure then? Like, what if it, debu- like, what if it, what if it went under? So then what's that intro like? <laughs> what's people's response? And <laughs> like, am, I, am I enough? You know, am I enough just being Allison? Huh. Well, for the record... <laughs> I think you're enough. But yeah, <laughs> like, how do you walk in a room and be like, hey, guys, everything's okay. <laughs> I, it's okay. Don't feel awkward around me. You're good. I'm going to get through this. I'm stumbling. <laughs> it's okay. I'm just <laughs> tripping all over the place. Yeah. Dog. <laughs> yeah. But let's just have a conversation. What's new with you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, you know, I think that's really important because it, what what that unlocked for me, right? Being able to stand so comfortably mentally 
in the idea of if this fails, I'm okay. That mm-hmm. January, February, and then March, I was able to take the biggest step I've ever taken with Bren and it uh, unlocked. It was my partnership with Samson and Surrey. And mm-hmm. it is the pinnacle that will have radically, and when I look back, it will have been the, you know, act two, right? The, the part that needed to occur for this business to go bigger than I. And it was such a big risk. And mm-hmm. it was that moment where I was like, do I do this? Do I close up shop? Or do I, you know, look at B through Z as options? Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think you have to get really comfortable in failure to take the bigger risks, right? It's because true. if you if you're not so comfortable in failure, you're going to do the safe choices, and the safe choices aren't where the biggest gains are, and aren't where the biggest growth is. Yeah. And it is all about growth, right? I mean, at the yeah. end of the day, it's in growth. I mean, in the most personal sense, mm-hmm. like you don't mm-hmm. learn anything when you play it safe all the time. Totally. And I've waffled. I think we all have. We waffled between those places in our lives where we're taking calculated risks or just crazy ass out of the box risks, or we're playing it super safe because that's what the situation is calling us to mm-hmm. do. Mm-hmm. But it's mm-hmm. just, it's listening to that like inner voice that you often set to the side and just be like, yeah, you know what? Just go, just run. Worst thing, you fail and learn. (laughs) Worst thing, thing, you don't have what you don't have. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, totally. Totally. Already don't have it. So go for it. And I was, uh, I was in France. No surprise. I'm in France often, but right after the witty conference this year, I was in France and I was, walking the streets of Paris one night after dinner with a friend. And she said to me, shoot for the stars. You'll land in the treetops. And I just loved that phrasing. Right. Yeah. Cause it doesn't mean like go from a to B like shoot for P <laughs> for shoot for L. <laughs> go like a push your, push your desires a little farther out. You know, it doesn't yeah. mean you're going to land exactly there, but you'll, you'll land somewhere up. Yeah, um, G is a good spot to land if you're, you know, <laughs> aiming for M or P. I don't exactly. know, right? There's a bunch of letters in the middle that just look a lot better than A. <laughs> it's a trajectory, really. <laughs> to be okay with it. It's a journey. It's a, it's a growth and a journey. Totally. So totally. Fun. So I, I I need to know, like you know, you've, you've probably overcome quite a few challenges or struggles in this path of yours. So can you give me a, an experience, um, a, an example of a negative experience turning into a very positive uh, memory or a growth opportunity that you just didn't see coming when it was happening as a negative thing? Oh, Jesus. Um, oh, that's a big I question. Um I thought you were going to go in a different direction with this question. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, Yeah. And I'm trying to think of like, what am I, what am I legally allowed to say? (laughs) Oh my God. You always have to have like a trade secret and or things that you're constantly working on. Um, Well, it could have been a personal thing too. Yeah, that's true. I think um, that's true. Actually. Yeah. I think, uh, divorce, you know, I actually, I got divorced in the midst of growing this business and talk about a public, you know, occurrence yeah. and I won't call it a failure. Um, and I, I remember being afraid for a lot of reasons. Um, and it was also a necessary change and mm-hmm. it was the change for me that allowed my wings to really expand Um, it was a very big risk and even financially it was a big risk because I was protected under, you know, with his income and I didn't have to necessarily earn a particular value of money in the business because he had enough income that we could live, you know, on his dollars. And, um, and, and also just the security of a, of a partnership and, and there was just, there's a, there's a lot that's wrapped up in, into, those choices, right? And everyone's experience is different. Yeah. Um, and in a funny way, a little thing, 
I remember very clearly, and I, so I was Alison Renault growing up. I had a French last name, my quarter French. Uh, when I was married, I took his name. So I was Alison Patel. And I just, I, it would surprise so many liquor store owners because I would go in, right? And they were expecting mm-hmm. an Indian woman. And mm-hmm. here I was, this white woman without a French accent, with an Indian last name, peddling French whiskey. <laughs> and they were like, <laughs> what are you? <laughs> like, well, that's unexpected. <laughs> and I just remember my husband, like just like some like snippy snide remark when we were in the midst of the divorce stuff. And he was just like, you know, well, you can't, you can't change your name. He's like, no one's going to know you if you change your name. And I like looked at him and I was like, oh, not only am I changing my name, I'm creating an entirely new name for myself. And I know the community that I've built and the relationships that I've built, they won't only get that my name has changed. This is going to be a celebration. (laughs) I love that. And it was really fun. And I think, I mean, there was some fear in that, right? Because I was like, oh, geez, like I was in, I had a lot of accolades as Alison Patel. And Mm -hmm there was a lot of fear and everyone kept saying, Oh, are you going to go back to your name? People in my own life, my family, you know, people, and I would just look at everyone. I was like, when humans can't go backwards, if you can hold my hand and take me (laughs) to the past, that's one thing, but you can't, we can only move forward. So I'm not going back. And I chose, and I had a big reason, but I chose park P A R C. Um, as my new last name. And I just remember so proudly going to the courthouse and getting that identity changed and, and broadcasting it, you know, sharing it on social media and with my family and my community. And it really was a celebration. And it, it was one of those things that I think there was like in the moment, right. Divorce is really hard. And there's so many people who go through it and I don't wish it on anyone. It even as as gentle as mine, I think was, it was still the, one of the most painful things I've had to experience. And so in the face of all that pain, finding a way to have, you know, reinvent my own identity and claim it for my own was something that really ended up very positive for me. That is, that's huge though. I mean, that's just amazing that you could esteem yourself when you're going through something that's so personally challenging and gut-wrenching and painful and awkward to come out with a new identity that you're embracing, that you're showering with celebration. I mean, gosh, that is, that is a beautiful answer for one. (laughs) Um, But I think that's also why people are so drawn to you is because you have this magnetism where even when something goes a little sideways on you, you're still like, you know what? This is okay. We're breathing. We're breathing. <laughs> We've got whiskey. <laughs> what else do we need? We got the things. We're fine. <laughs> you're always laughing. You're always happy. You're always positive and optimistic. And I think that that is, um, it's, it, you're captivating, truly. I've yeah. lived in the gutters, so I'm not afraid of them. Like I've really lived in some low, low, low points. And I know in myself, you know, I, so I'm, so I'm, I'm, that's genuine. I'm not afraid of dropping down because I know I will always climb up and I'm going to keep climbing up until I'm six feet under. And that's just what life means to me. Yeah. So let's go. (laughs) Let's go guys. I love it. Day is a, is a gift. Let's, let's be here. But you, you just, you managed to inspire others too. I mean, you've inspired me quite a bit uh, in the short year and a half that we've known each other. You've inspired <laughs> me quite a bit. And I feel like I've always, I can do more because I have someone that I admire so much, you, in my corner, backing me, telling me, yeah, that's crazy, but let's do it. Yeah. Thank <laughs> I you. I feel that. the same way. I feel the same way. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I'm- so do you have any regrets? Mm-mm. No, no, I don't. I mean, maybe I just, maybe I actually do, but I don't ever let myself think about them or dwell in them. Um, I'll learn my lessons as I go. Um, mm-hmm. I guess, no, I don't know. I, f- I feel like everything happens in the time that it's supposed to happen. Um, 
yeah, even the negatives, there's something you're supposed to be learning at that moment. Dude, the negatives, they suck and they're painful they and they just drip in <clears throat> awfulness when you're in it, you know, if awfulness yeah. is even a word. Um, and It can be. It can be. Today it is on this yeah. podcast. I'm all around loud. Right. Oh, they're just, they're, oh God, I hate them. Um, I'm conscious that they, that they will, it, life, life flows, right? And so sometimes you're going to get in those good moments. Um, something that I did learn in, in my kind of teens and early twenties, just personal life was really, really, really hard at that time. And I found myself going into my mid twenties, almost braced bracing for the worst and I just kept saying like it's going to come because that's life it's just going to keep coming back the hard times will keep coming back and then I realized that I wasn't allowing my and I I told myself I was like if you're going to really feel all the feels in the bad times you have to allow yourself to feel the joys and I wasn't allowing myself to feel the good times the way I was feeling the bad times um so I think in regrets, maybe I just, I wish I could have learned that a little bit earlier. <laughs> that would yeah. be nice. Yeah. Yeah. But that's, that's a really good, that's a really good answer. And I think it's part of the human condition is that we're quick to take in the negative, especially yeah. when it's directed at us or about us by somebody else. Yeah. It's yes. hard not yes. to take that in. So I mean, and I've, ever since I started the witty group, truly, I was coming from a place where I believed the negative that I'd heard about myself or that people had said to me, but I was kind of reluctant to breathe in the positive Mm. quite as quickly. And I learned that from all of you in my network, in my circle that I trust and love so much. I've learned to take in the way other people see me because, and I did by telling other people, I'm like, no, I think you're amazing. You're mm. wonderful. You inspire me. You make me want to be better. So you should believe this. I'm like, <laughs> why are they having such a hard time believing that they're so amazing? I'm like, oh, well, maybe I could ask this question of myself at some point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that's part of the beauty of this journey that I've been on. And, and thanks to you, too. You're one of the people that said positive things that I allowed to come in. So I think that's, you know, that's a personal growth, but I think if everybody could get to that point, yeah, it's Mm -hmm. one of those things. Once we start believing the good quicker than we believe the bad, Mm -hmm. we all become happier. We become Mm -hmm. better for others too. And that's it. You know, business, life, all of it, the successful, it comes from your mindset. So yeah, it's why I talk so much about it on my Instagram and in my little videos and things. It's like, how are you framing this? Because you can go to the best schools you can, or you can mm-hmm. be like me and have a college degree in jazz hands. Um, <laughs> and you can still be sitting at a founder's table. Um, but I, because I think, while it's good to know what others have done to be successful. And I read biographies and autobiographies and business books. Um, I also, I think the most important thing we can do is is check in with ourselves and see where what where our thinking is coming from yeah absolutely I, I couldn't agree more so what would you want um the listening audience to know about you they've learned a lot ah! <laughs> so what would you want what would you want them to know like somebody like meets you for the first time what should they know yeah thanks I think um you know I I think being kind of a air quotes here, like a pretty white girl that people will automatically make some assumptions, right? And I think it's important Mm -hmm. to know that everyone has a story and mine certainly did not grow up with a silver spoon in my mouth. And I did not, I mean, I grew up with some privileges but I did not grow up privileged. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that's important for people to know because it's very easy for them to see the laughing, smiling, positive, successful side of me, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. I think I don't want people to be intimidated, right? And go, oh, well, she has that because look, or she has that because X, Y, Z. It's, it's come mm-hmm. with and from a lot of hard work and a lot of really painful life experiences in the best way, right? And everyone mm-hmm. is given the hand that they're given. And it's just about how do you play your deck of cards? And mm-hmm. I think that's, 
crucial, right? I definitely still get, you know, you like just a woman in a man's world and all that. Like, like there's like still things that occur, but um, that are challenging, but they're not what I had to come through as a kid and teenager and young adult. Um, and I just, I want to, I want people to know that in a sense of, you know, whatever you're going through in your own life, um, you can get through it. I know you can. And I hope, I hope that people get that. You know, I think I, I agree. Um, just a thought, if this whole whiskey thing doesn't work out long-term, you should totally be a motivational speaker. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. That's perfect. If I don't have my catchphrase of an intro walking into a party, I know what I'll shift hats and do. <laughs> <laughs> oh my so gosh. Thanks. Uh, well, you know how much I adore you. So if people want to learn more about you, about your products, mm. um, your anything, or just want to connect with you and just be in your bubble of happy and positive and inspiration, how, how can people best reach you? Oh, thanks. Um, I, oh, social media is, there's so many places to spend your attention and websites and everything. And I'm inspired by you because I freaking love your websites and everything. Um, I don't have a personal website right now, but my Instagram is for sure the best place. And I, I try and put up like content and get, you know, people get really engaged in the comments. Um, you can send me a DM, you can drop a comment on a post, um, but at, at Allison Park, A-L-L-I-S-O-N-P-A-R-C. If you follow me on Instagram, follow Bren, B-R-E-N-N-E, whiskey. We spell our whiskey with no E in it. So B-R-E-N-N-E for Bren, whiskey is W-H-I-S-K-Y. That's all across all social media and at uh, www.brenwhiskey.com. We have a gorgeous website and then there's like ways to contact me through that. Perfect. And I'll be sure to put all the links in the little intro that's written up on the podcast so that people can directly click and go and find you too. Thank you so much. What a oh my gosh. This has been. <laughs> Thank you. I've thoroughly enjoyed this and just having this conversation with you and, and being able to share you with the world even more, <laughs> even though you have a much larger following than I do. No. I think everybody can benefit from listening to you, truly. Thank you. Um, so thank you so much for being part of this. Thank you. I feel the same way. And I'm thrilled that you are doing this podcast and getting these stories out. And I, we will be a better world because you are sharing this quality, honest, real life experience. So thank you. Oh my gosh. That's a huge compliment. Thank you. <laughs> I love it. Yay. I love it. Yay. And thank you all for tuning in to Lawler Out Loud, Mixing Up the Mainstream. <laughs>